0: Okay, everybody, we're back, back from vacation. I got a little tan here. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, the tan be popping. I'm going to try something a little different today. Not that much different, but we're just going to free flow through this. I feel like I've got a narrative constructed here, very few notes, and we're just going to roll with it. But I want to jump in here real quick at the very, at the very top of this thing, because I don't do this at the top very often. And just stress, if you enjoy this show and the content we produce, whether or not That's video, audio, whatever it is, however you enjoy it. I don't have the hugest audience in the world. We all know this, okay, for a variety of reasons. But if you're into this show and you want it to continue, and I really mean that, if you want this show to continue, (laughs) and you can, join the Patreon. I've just launched a free seven-day trial. So when you sign up, you get the first week for free. You can check out some episodes on there, look at the AMAs and uh, the topic requests and what we do in there. The more people that are in there, the better it gets because the more topics we could bring up, we get into stuff we can't get into on the show, whether it's for censorship or just kind of direction. But when it comes to the Patreon, there's a lot more freedom in what we can explore, get into more specific topics and things that I can't post because I have to play by the rules. (laughs) I'm really tired of being censored. Um... We can do all that stuff in the Patreon behind the paywall. So if you can do that and you like this show, I cannot stress how important it is to jump in the Patreon and at least try it out. You get a week to try it out for free. Check out that week's episode. See if you're into it. If you're not, that's cool. But give it a shot. Patreon.com slash Connor Wanders. The link is in the show notes. Now let's get into the show here. After that shameless promotion, Liv and PGA have merged. And I just want to discuss this briefly. And the way this all kind of went down because I've recently become rather obsessed with golf. Okay. It's been about two years now. I've gone from probably a low twenties handicap to a plane off of 14 right now, trying to get to the single digits by the end of the year. And I've gone through that like rough patch where you move way far back. Like I can't, I've been shooting like ninety sevens lately and I'm just, it's crazy. I can hit every fairway. 97 hit no fairways. 97. I don't know what the hell's going on. But I'm in that place right now. And it's really hard, but I'm working on it. I'm going to go play tomorrow. I think we'll be in a better place. I've sorted some things out. It's been good. Anyways, that's the update on my golf game. But <laughs> I don't play for Liv or the PGA. But Saudi-backed Liv golf, uh, had people like Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Koepka. Um, They have merged with the PGA. And people are rightfully upset about this. Okay, I understand. Saudis have a certain vibe. You know, they kill some journalists and there was a lot of insinuations about 9-11 in there, which I'm understand. A lot of the hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. And there's some strange connections with the hijackers allegedly and Saudi Arabia and that whole deal. So whenever Liv came on the scene, started playing, paying some of these golfers like absurds about some money, they offered Tiger Woods over 800 million. Um, may not know this, but Japanese golfers and Korean golfers are actually really, really popular. You think I think those countries have huge populations? They're really, really popular. So they got offered, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars more than you would think. Uh, Mitsuyama, I said I say say his name, Matsuyama. He got offered, I think, 600 million. Um, Rory, these other people got offered hundreds of millions of dollars to go play for the Live Tour. And I don't enjoy watching Live Golf as much as the PGA, I'm going to be honest. And I think it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, I think Live is cool. It's just, we'll see. I think it could be really good for golf in the long term, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. And during that process, though, when Liv was taking golfers away from the PGA and there was a bunch of uproar, the PGA, in a foolish decision, in my opinion, decided to try and stand on a moral high ground. Now, let's just be honest here. The PGA is it's a nonprofit business, but uh, the CEO of the PGA was getting paid like $16 million a year. So it's not, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a business. a lot of their, a lot of their big names got taken away. They were pissed, but instead of making, um, an argument for, I mean, they made the argument for legacy and different things like that. And they were trying to keep these guys from playing in major championships. And, And even though they had earned their PGA card, they revoked that. It was just a whole lot of, a lot of stuff that actually got them into a lot of legal trouble because what they did, um, was apparently illegal. Um, now they didn't kill any journalists, but you know, it is what it is. So, this all went down a couple years ago or a year and a half ago. And it's been really interesting to see how it's all shaken out. A live player has come back and won a major championship. Brooks Kepka. he's been playing really incredible golf. Um, and a lot of these guys just took the bag. You know, they took the money and probably was the right decision for them. And it was really difficult. But then you have the PGA coming out and bringing up the 9-11 families. And this, in my opinion, is where they went wrong. When I saw them do that, I was like, oh, you're opening up a bag of worms here? That is not going to be helpful for you. Because, as Trump said, when they eventually merge, they're going to have to eat crow. And then, when you when you elicit the families of 9-11 victims, and then you capitulate, you make a complete fool of yourself. Jay Monahan's made a fool of himself. PGA made fools of themselves. And then you have, like, Sager, Kyle Kalinske, Crystal Ball. These people are really upset about this. A lot of people are really upset about this on the left because it's like Saudi Arabia, they're bad and Yemen and all this other stuff and 9-11. Well, the funny thing is, it took a golf league to bring attention to Saudi Arabia's role in 9-11, right? It took a golf league. We weren't having that conversation in 2001 or 2002 or 2005, right? The families did come out and want more focus On the Saudis, right? But at the end of the day, we, as a country, have a pretty cozy relationship with Saudi Arabia. We sell them weapons, right? They set the prices for our oil and gas. Like, we are intertwined with Saudi Arabia, like it or not. And that is what it is. You know, and when it comes to dismembering Jamal Khashoggi, yeah, that's really bad. But as a country, you know, as individuals, we may have a moral high ground here, but as a country, we do not, right? Say, so, yeah, 9-11 was bad. What's also bad is killing a million Iraqis that did nothing wrong and going to war with two countries that had nothing to do with 9-11 for 20 years, right? That makes sense. Like That's not good. I think the response to 9-11 was much worse than 9-11 itself when it comes to the loss of innocent human life. Maybe that's controversial. Maybe it's not. But when you try and stand on the moral high ground like that and you eventually fall, that is a long fall to the bottom. And Jay Monahan's legacy is ruined here. He's the guy's a joke. I think he'll probably get let go at some point just because of the, his his atrocious way of handling this. You cannot try and stand on a moral high ground when it comes to this stuff. It just does not work. Now, do I find it quite uncomfortable that the Saudis have paid Trump? a lot of money to play events at his resorts and at his golf courses that I have a problem with. I have a really, I have the same uncomfortable feeling around Trump and the Saudis as I do with Biden and Ukraine. Like they don't seem that much different to me, right? One son got paid, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month or whatever to sit on a board that he was not qualified to be on while he was smoking crack and fucking Russian hookers. And then, uh, the other kid got $2 billion for a investment, machine that is uh, unreliable and probably not the best investment. He didn't, he didn't get that two million, two billion million, $2 billion, excuse me on the merits and Jared Kushner getting that money from the Saudis. I don't like these backroom deals that have been gone on. There's even more information coming out that maybe Burisma from Ukraine gave Joe Biden $5 million. And I'm really curious to see where that goes. But with this Live PGA thing, like there just is not a moral high ground to stand on here. I mean, let's just talk about the PGA for a second. Tiger Woods had to change clothes in the parking lot when he was a kid playing junior golf in the PGA network because he was black. Tiger fucking Woods, the greatest golfer of all time, had to change clothes in the parking lot at country clubs playing for PGA events as a junior, because he was black. You don't get to stand on a moral high ground here. I'm sorry, you don't have it. It does not exist. And when you try to fake it, it implodes. And people are really upset about this merger because they think that the PGA just capitulated to the Saudis over money. I don't think that's the case. What happened was there was litigation going on, and the PGA was going to lose. The Saudi, they, they, because of their mishandling of this whole whole situation, right, They didn't want to just compete with Live Golf and try to beat them on the merits. They wanted to play a moral game. They wanted to play a legal game. They got out over their skis, and they fucked up, and they were going to lose. So what do they do then? When you have zero leverage, then you finally take the bag, and that's what happened, and that's what happened. And people aren't looking at this in the whole picture, you just have people crying about it, like Kyle Kalinsky, who at this point, like the dude just is a fucking crybaby. Like that's just what he is. I'm so over that motherfucker like I really liked we had to say back in the 2016 20 like 2016 to 2019 probably but the COVID shit yeah and then like it's just been a, a slow degradation over time of am just like I'm just not I'm just not there with it man like I like the dude. I think we get along I'd like to play golf with the guy I think we'd have a good time but I think he has siloed himself in this way where it's like man come on like you're not looking at the whole picture here I understand you're upset about this and it's, it's kind of a bummer in a way, but at the same time, we'll see what happens, right? We're completely entwined with the Saudis. The Saudis are invested in BlackRock and Vanguard, and they, I think the Saudi Arabian government actually owns all the parking meters in Chicago and a few other major cities. So it's like uh, the Griftopia, Matt Tybee's book, he talks about this, how these Saudi governments come in and bought all the parking meters in these cities, right, through an investment vehicle that they own like a 49% of or, you know. A, per, a large percentage of through other shell corporations like they have they're pretty financially um, astute and because of that they will not allow these cities to um, shut down streets for events and different things without paying massive fines. so they these 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 corrupt politicians had sold out their parking situation, <laughs> their paid parking meters and then they got price gouged after that um, to these Saudis and done it for less had, had done it for less money than they would have made. From the parking meters, which I think, honestly, an an administration should come in and unwind those deals because those are really fucked up. Like a city needs to be able to manage its own parking situation and financially benefit from that in their downtown areas and be able to have parades and events on these streets and shut them down when they need to without taking the financial hit for that in order to have a kind of a robust community. Um, But when that's entirely owned by a foreign, you know, petro state that cares about one thing and that's money. Well then, no, that doesn't really work out. And you have to pay the Saudis, you know, whatever, 40,000, 50,000, hundred thousand dollars a day to shut down your own streets in your city as the, as the um, city government. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. But at the end of the day, they have a ton of leverage over us as a nation. You've seen that. And Joe Biden kind of pissed them off by calling them a pariah. And I think it's just like, you have to be a realist with this stuff. Like, do I love the PGA and Saudi deal? Like, eh. Would I go work for the PGA? Yeah. Owned by the Saudis? Yeah. I would love it. That'd be cool. I've been looking at jobs, honestly. I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if they're going to have any job openings for something that I could be qualified for. I don't have, I mean, I just, I, I, it's you have to be a realist with this stuff. And when the PGA decided to take the moral high road that did not exist, you know, it's like our country has ostracized and tortured and considered killing Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. So, I mean, that's not quite dismemberment of Jamal Khashoggi, but as a country, we don't really have the high ground there, right? We didn't go to war with Saudi Arabia over 9-11. So is that the, is that the job of golfers? And I think Dustin Johnson said it best on the uh, full swing documentary last year. If you could get paid 10 times as much to do this, to do the same job, Would you take it? And I would, most likely. Now, would I take 10 times more to go do a podcast for Pfizer? No. But but barring something like that, yeah. Why not? I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I thought that was quite interesting. And that also came up on the All In Podcast. Now, to give you a little context here, I remember this moment so vividly because I actually really like the All In Podcast. I really like David Sachs. I really like Chamath Palihapitiya. Uh, J. Cal and Friedberg kind of get on my nerves, to be honest with you. I don't feel like they add much value. Uh, Friedberg, who is their like resident science guy, um, has been wrong on COVID at every step of the way and has never admitted to or, or apologized for how wrong he was. And that annoys me. And at one point when the vaccine had kind of become available for many people, they had discussed these things, and I was driving to go fishing, go fly fishing, and I was trying to like catch some fish on my own. fly fishing is really hard for me for some reason. I haven't, it's something newer and not like super passionate about it, but I was like kind of stubbornly wanting to figure this out. And that's why I remember that I was going to fly fishing. I was driving, I was listening to the all in podcast and I was about to turn. And I just remember this moment where Chamath said he was tired of idiots. I tried to find this audio, could not find it, but he said, he's tired of idiots. Get the fucking vaccine. He's so tired of people's bullshit and complaining about this and yada, yada, yada. Went on this whole rant. He was so mad. He gets fired up sometimes. And I remember being like, damn dude, I had Sam Harris, who I respect, a respected, call me all kinds of names for not getting vaccinated. Now I've got Schmoth over here doing the same thing. People that I enjoy listening to and find value in, um, even if I, even if I don't agree, I like to get their. I like I used to like to get their perspectives on things, but I stuck with the All In podcast. I really like David Sachs still. I think um, they both show a lot of report, uh, support for RFK, which I find really admirable and brave on their end, honestly. And so I was listening to the podcast. They talk about the crypto stuff and they're getting into the live and PGA merger. I tuned into this podcast and one thing just stuck out, stood out at me and it just, it it, it honestly, it warmed my heart. Like it feels nice to have people come around that you respect and to feel vindicated, especially when those same people were villainizing you at some point. Now, Sam Harris won't do this because Sam Harris's ego is fucking enormous. He won't do it. And that hurts me a little bit. I'm being honest. Like it it is frustrating when somebody who really helped me through some really challenging times with his perspectives and his books. um, Turns around and calls you a fucking moron for not taking an experimental treatment for a respiratory virus. That I was at essentially zero risk for. Um, And that's all come out, but his tune hasn't changed. Anyways. But Chamath jumps in here. Now, the person you see on the screen here, if you're watching a video, is David Friedberg. He's the science guy. And I want you to pay attention to his response to this situation that they're in. They're talking a little bit about RFK, and we're going to jump in right here. And
1: some of the commentary made about RFK Jr., I think it was in the New York Times this week, um, or someone that covered his candidacy, one of the big media companies, highlighted how much of his agenda seems to be a Republican talking point agenda. Does that sound accurate well, to you? Or is I, that just I kind think of a... even most uh, people in the country who identify as Democrats would be against having an open border. That's what we're talking about. When there's a hole in the wall and people can just start forming a line, and then once they get through the line, right. they're right. literally dispersed. Hold on. They're basically yeah. distributed throughout the country on buses. Yes. I don't think most people in the country, even Democrats, would support that. But what he's violating here is the press blackout on what's really going on at the border. So you're yeah, right. Like the there. only. He went there. Yeah. But other Republican talking points. So the points around the vaccine, the points I don't know around. If that's a Republican. Well, he's expressed, obviously, concerns about vaccines preceding the COVID vaccine. I don't know whether he's right about that or not. I'm not mm-hmm. willing to say whether he's right or wrong about that because I just don't know enough. I think he's definitely right about the inefficacy of the COVID vaccine. We've talked about this before. Even Bill Gates admits now that the vaccine doesn't work. It's too short acting, and it doesn't hold up against variants.
2: It's not a vaccine. Yeah. Let's just, let's just vaccine, call it, it what it It's not a vaccine. It doesn't prevent you from
1: getting the illness. It's a
2: death reduction shot. It was a revenue grab by Big Pharma, plastered with non-scientific thinking from a bunch of people who should have known better. Wow. Okay, really? I think you just got our... So much for no, that's, channel <laughs> no, that's, but, 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 but this is
1: just the truth. Hold on. What, what Chamath just said is just like the factual reality. And, and you can't get that from the mainstream media. Like there's no reevaluation. There's no appraisal. They control what we see and hear. It's like Pravda level in terms of the propaganda. And that's why I think RFK Jr. is so interesting is because he is blowing up what the mainstream media wants to control.
2: The really interesting thing about him going to the border, I agree with Sachs, is – Hey, let's just have a discussion about this and look at the actual facts on the ground that we can agree on. And what he actually did was he pierced the veil of like, this is an issue about a certain group of people. He was there, and there are people from Afghanistan, China, all over the world coming in. He made the point that this isn't just about one country and that these people are suffering. And that I thought was like another really important highlight. These people are being trafficked, they're, you know, being abused yes. at the border, and that. It's going to cost us ten million a the mile to secure the border. Story. It's a, he it's had a, a humanitarian a really good way of crisis. talking about
1: it, and he, yes. he's done this with Ukraine as well, where he emphasizes the humanitarian aspect of it. Yes, and Which it's a good I way believe. of talking about yep. it. And I think Republicans should adopt some of that rhetoric.
2: And to Chamath's point, I think it's it is. I think it's a money grab, Chamath. I do think it lowered death rates, but you know, I, I do think piercing the veil on this and none of
0: us
1: are still getting boosted because we you know they don't want guys. Work. Guys, stop. Okay, let's not, keep moving on.
0: I'm not debating vaccines and politics. <laughs> we're moving on. We're gonna- of course you're not, Friedberg. Of course you're not. Because you were fucking wrong about everything. Everything. Fucking apologize, dude. Apologize. You were wrong. Jamal finally said what he actually thought. Finally. Maybe he's a little drunk and he said what actually is the truth. It's not a vaccine. It's a treatment that supposedly helped keep c- 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 people from dying. Maybe. But at this point, prove it. Crystal ball will say the same thing. It, it helped. It kept millions of people from dying. Prove it. Prove it. It didn't help a single fucking kid from dying, right? That got it. Did it? Do you think it's gonna ha- Do you think in children, right? There were these people were out here just just dying to give this stuff to kids, right? Dying to give this stuff from kids to kids. And do you think that's going to cause more harm or do more good long-term? Actually, let me pull this video up real quick. This is from Matt Orphelia. Let's, let's get him let's get him up here real quick. Let's play this One video. One of
2: the things that we're not hearing a lot about is the unique potential safety problem of coronavirus vaccines.
3: And then something changed.
2: Any vaccine released by emergency use authorization by the FDA is an outstanding... Uh, vaccine. J&J's vaccine has a risk of life-threatening blood clots. When you hear the beep, that's the sound of safety. So don't overthink it. Uh, they're they're both really good. Vac- they're all really good vaccines. Get vaccinated now. You got
3: to call now.
2: If you wait, uh, it's going to be really too late to protect your child. If this wow. was your
3: child, what happens next could make it the worst day of your life.
2: So even though COVID poses zero threat to healthy children. Vaccinate your children. Do
3: the right thing. Be safe
2: and not sorry. I'm strongly recommending for adolescents to get their two doses of vaccine and fully immunized after those two
0: doses. Fully immunized after those two doses. But they're not. But they're not. That's the thing. So do you think it causes more harm or does more good for kids that were at essentially zero risk of this? Which Bill Gates actually said after he sold all of his fucking pharma stock. Right After he stacked his cash and realized his gains. Absolutely absurd. And the thing was, we knew this stuff so early. And we're called crazy. And called all kinds of names. This is all... This was, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. You look at this now and it's like... I, I'm just... I, I'm astonished. Right? To hear Chamath say what he said. And to hear Sachs say what he said. Even Jay cal saying... And these guys were just dick-riding Pfizer so fucking hard. And even they've changed their minds. Even they have changed their minds about this and see it for what we all saw it as from the beginning. And you know who those people who are who who should have known better that Chamath is talking about? Them. David Sachs, Chamath Polyhapatia should have known better. Should have known better. They really should have. And they should apologize. But at the same time, I think that's a pretty good fucking job. And that's happening all over the place. There is a, I don't want to call it some kind of mass awakening, but there is a a realization happening at, at levels that you don't understand, right, that we don't understand. We, if you're listening to the show, you've probably already been here, right? You were probably here early in, in the same frame of mind that I'm in right now. But we're seeing it happening at a larger scale. And RFK is getting tons of traction, tons and tons of traction. And because what he is saying are majoritarian positions in this country, right? People that are super pro-vaccine and were super pro-COVID-vax have finally started, finally started to realize that they were manipulated and exploited. And that mass disillusionment is actually a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a very powerful thing. Now, I'm going to finish watching the rest of this video from Matt here because this just keeps getting better. Watch how the narrative changes in real time. When you mash this stuff up, it's so incredible. This guy was on Joe Rogan and also got absolutely beclowned. His name is, um, what's his name? Peter Hotez. Yeah. Wild. So, he just said, after your adolescence, get your two shots. They're fully immunized. Let's continue.
3: Advanced technology that can help save lives.
2: This is going to be a long-lasting vaccine. A long-lasting vaccine. Is it? A few moments later. We're seeing that two doses is not holding up well for emergency room visits. is not holding up well for hospitalizations. Here we go again. Everyone's going to need a booster. You need that third immunization.
3: Triple the amount.
2: Get that third immunization. The two mRNA vaccines were always a three dose vaccine. The two mRNA vaccines were always a three dose vaccine. We've, I've always said this is a three dose vaccine. We've, I've always said this is a three dose vaccine. This is a three dose vaccine. But I'm not done yet. That third immunization. The problem is. It's not holding up. So we may have to look at sort of innovative solutions.
3: Oh, God, not this again.
2: A fourth immunization. just Just to keep them them going. To keep the country uh, going. We have to consider some out-of-the-box things. A fourth immunization. Fourth? A fourth immunization. Get that second boost. A second boost to keep the country uh, going. I've made that recommendation. A fourth immunization.
3: But I'm still not done. One
2: semester later. Unfortunately, the numbers are starting to trend up again. So the hospitalizations are up. And so the most important message is I want to
0: pause this real quick. Look at how pale and unhealthy this motherfucker looks like the dude doesn't have a neck. His, his neck fat is about to eat his jawline and he hasn't been in the sun for 35 years. He looks like this is interview with the fucking vampire. Like this is insane. I mean, I'm going to have Josh do this. Put up a, a, an image of of, of of Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise from Interview with the Vampire next to Peter Hotez here and tell me that he's not a vampire. This guy is as vitamin D deficient as humanly possible. Let's continue. I have this morning is get your new bivalent
2: booster. Oh, bivalent booster. Really, uh, and Lee's were saying they got their booster, and I was like, oh, I need to get mine. And then I found out they're they talking about the third shot. And... Is that the or is it the fourth booster or does it matter? Like, Don't worry so much about the number. of. There's no wrong way to use it. You have to get it. <laughs> this new bivalent booster. You can double or triple stack them. The new bivalent one is, is doing a much better job. You, you have to, to get, get a booster. booster. Yeah. You need to get this new bivalent booster. That bivalent booster for COVID. But does everyone ages 12 and older need a booster? The answer is yes. 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 And by the way, if you're over 50 and have gotten two boosters and more than four, two, or th- two to four months out, you're going to need a third booster. <laughs> booster as well a fifth immunization
0: five
2: i don't (laughs) think we're going to need an annual booster like flu eventually dr hotez supports yearly boosters just like flu but
3: i'm still not done
2: it looks as though the boosters are not holding up quite as well as (laughs) we'd like um and 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 i think our thinking is going to change and that what's going to happen is every, you know, few months we may need another booster. Uh, 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 Perfect results each and every time. You know, we just could not overcome that massive disinformation campaign. These fake concepts of herd immunity and discrediting masks.
3: Dr. Hotez, you are a national treasure. It
2: is picking off young people like we've never seen. Dr. Peter Hotez, that was extremely informative. Disinformation that you're hearing, that kids are fine, it's nonsense. Kids need to get that vaccination. You healthcare workers have been our saviors. Watch out for that misinformation. Dr. Peter Hotez is probably one of the smartest people on this topic. I mean,
0: if you haven't gotten your 5 and ups vaccinated yet, now's the time to do that. Your 5-year-olds and up vaccinated while he's receiving all of this praise. Real quick, this is as a thought here, put this in your head. I mean, you guys know I'm an RFK stan. I love the man. I'm on board. I think he's got a real solid chance. And I have some strategies that I think could really help out the campaign. If you want to hire me, guys, I'm open to it. Um, think about this. How many grants, because this guy had an active NIH grant at the time he was saying all of these things. How many grants do you think Peter Hotez would get with RFK as president? How many grants? I would bet absolutely fucking zero. I think this guy would be on, on, on unemployment. Where would he go? Who would hire this guy? This guy was wrong every step of the way and manipulated you into getting your kids a drug they didn't need. Disgusting.
2: Dr. Hotez, thank you for saving the world. He
0: also, supports saving the world. The
2: third immunization for the 12 to 17 year olds. People have to feel safe.
0: Dr. Hotez, you are a voice of reason. Take back the, of the of fake reason.
2: information. These fake concepts of herd immunity. Our last hope is to vaccinate our way through this. Make certain that every. The fake
0: concept of herd immunity. Did you hear him say that the fake concept of herd immunity? Herd immunity, even though Omicron was really what shut this thing down. A less virulent. More contagious strain, which is what happens with viruses, right? Which is why the Spanish flu is still a part of our current flu. It gets less virulent and more contagious. And then you get it and it's no big deal. And you move on with your fucking life. And you know who had it the worst? You know who had it worst at that time when everybody else was getting Omicron? All of us unvaccinated kooks were getting Omicron and just like being sick for a couple days and then moving on with our lives, right? You know who was getting it bad then? vaccinated people and I'm not maybe you know what take my shit down take my shit down YouTube I'm gonna say this I don't think long COVID fucking exists I think long COVID is just a fucking vaccine injury that's where I'm at and maybe they will take it down and then maybe in a year we'll find out that's true too I don't know. Let's continue. But he's vaccinated, including their kids. That's the single most important thing right now. The American people have to do the single most important thing, locking people up in their houses, making them take experimental drugs, not telling them to get out exercise. This shit was going on for two years. You know how much lifestyle change you can make in two years? A shit ton. Hey, you can lose 200 pounds in two years. If you're morbidly obese, you can increase your, uh, your level of fitness and resilience to respiratory viruses by having stronger lungs. Weird how stronger lungs really help in respiratory uh, viruses. Huh, funny how that works. Let's not have that conversation because that's a thought crime. But it's like, come on, guys. Look at the heaps of praise in this guy. Jesus. Dr. Peter Hotez, who's a the person that we like to go to, uh, for the sort of expertise. The
2: single most impactful thing you can do is make certain that you're fully boosted and preferably too boosted.
3: Later. Monkeypox is a global emergency. And
2: it's accelerating among a specific social network of, of men who have sex with men, not because it's sexually transmitted. Monkeypox is sexually transmitted.
0: So, we look at this whole thing here. I mean can you imagine being wrong that many times and still being brought on to mainstream media you there's no reason to have any faith in these people whatsoever no reason whatsoever but it's just I mean we all know that you're here because you know that I mean I we get that but it's just it, it, it's it's interesting because we get we've gotten to a point now where we can kind of can move on from it and everybody's kind of chilled out which is good I love that I think that's great. I think there's a great reconciliation coming on between normal people that got vaccinated and normal people who didn't get vaccinated and an understanding of all of that. I was talking to my parents about that when we were on vacation in Hawaii. They were there kind of as our like babysitters, which was really nice. Um, They were like, yeah, like this is, yeah, it was, we got it worse after. Like it, it was, it was, it was so clear. And it's so like, it's like, yeah, it's anecdotal, but when everybody, you know, has the same anecdotal experience, it becomes non anecdotal anymore. And so when we look at this thing, it's like a reaffirmation, right? Really putting that back in our head that, like, these, these institutions do not deserve our trust. That being said, I think trust in institutions can be really helpful for a society. And what we need to do is massive, massive, massive accountability, a reckoning of some of these institutions in order to regain some kind of trust in those institutions. And we're going to continue and talk about how the the way that these people are, are, are using their their time, energy, and our money is just completely absurd. So moving on here, what do we have next? I don't even remember. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to play this for you guys. God, I'm about to get fucking censored like a motherfucker. Here we go. All right, so my wife, Kelly, had never seen any of Cat Williams' comedy. And um, I was just, the, I had that like a, uh, here he comes, the country pimp. <laughs> like, I had that stuck in my head. And I was like, let's just look up some Cat Williams videos. We every now and then at the end of the day, just like, watch some random videos on YouTube. Um, and th- this came up, and I was like, wow. Now, this was posted two months ago. I don't know when this is from. This is clearly years old, maybe early 2000s, Cat, peak Cat Williams time. Um, but I want you to just check this out. And if you, The audio is not great, but I think you'll enjoy it nonetheless. Kind of fits the narrative of today's show.
3: You can't even trust simple shit. We used to think our doctor gave a fuck about us. We used to think our doctor wanted us to get better so we would be better. Our doctor don't give a fuck about us. This motherfucker is making money, and that is it. He is a drug dealer just like the drug dealers. There ain't no motherfucking difference. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. Because the medicine commercials have really gone over the top. They don't even give a fuck about us as people any motherfucking more. Do you remember when they used to at least have the common decency to whisper the side effect at the end of the... You could barely hear the fucked up shit that could possibly happen to you. They just... Possible side effects are... Now these motherfuckers say the motherfucking side effect so motherfucking loud and proud, you forget what the fuck they were supposed to be curing in the first place. And they just keep going and going, just. Are you tired of hangnail ruining your life? Well, just take this simple pill, and in two weeks you'll be jumping rope and running back to usual. Possible side effects are, loss of the rest of your toes, fucked up ankles, dislocated kneecaps, separation of thigh meat, hip dysplasia, any outie belly button, female breasts, if you have two Adam's apples, if your chin falls off, if you go blind or deaf for any reason. What the fuck? Just cut my goddamn toe off, bitch. I got shit to do. (laughs) I'm finding out most of the shit.
0: Oh, Cat Williams, man. Fucking love that guy. So good, but he was about, yeah, yeah. What can you say? And, and then you look at these things like the, the World Health Organization. Let's just think about the World Health Organization, how they've just lost credibility as an institution, right? Just, uh, just it's been absurd, right? Again, wrong on so many things, right? You can see where their money comes from. You can see the agenda so clearly, so clearly. Now, let's look at what they're working on now because they're putting the money that we so graciously send their way, right? Right? Because they're doing good for us. They want to keep us healthy. They're invested in keeping us healthy. As a a people. Because because if you you look at the the American population in the past 50 years, that has been the largest degradation of health in fucking human history. It's absurd. We are fast-tracking ourselves to fucking Wally, dog. Like, it is out of hand. Right? Right? It's out of hand. There are so many things going on. Our food is fucking poisonous, right? People are, are addicted to their phones, right? We have chemicals in our water and food that have endocrine disruptors that are fueling some wild, wild shit. And I think that might be the reason behind... The trans acceptance agenda and that being pushed so hard because the endocrine disruptors are turning the goddamn frogs gay. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. This is all going on. And here is what the WHO is focused on right now. Let's check this shit out. the WHO benchmarks to help countries reduce salt intake and save lives. We're going to take salt. Salt is the problem. Salt is the issue. A chemical that we have been ingesting and adapting to for millions of years. That is an essential nutrient that we have to consume all at all points of our lives. And they're saying that salt is the problem. Not glyphosate. Not sugar. Salt. That's the thing, the thing that has been a part of humanity since humanity has existed, that we have evolved the ability to regulate for fucking millions of years millions of years and that's what the WHO is focused on and spending our money on right now we fucking eat roundup in our food all the time every grain in this country for the most part has been poisoned the soil has been poisoned by fucking roundup and we're talking about goddamn salt you need to create an initiative to help countries eat less salt Meanwhile, anybody who knows a goddamn thing about health is drinking one or two packets of element a day and having five times the recommended intake of salt from the WH fucking O. And look at me. Do I look like I need fucking help figuring out my own health? And just like we always say, say along with me now, whatever the government says to do as when it comes to health, what do you do? What do you do? Everybody? I'm like Miss Rachel now. When the government gives you health advice, what do you do? The opposite. You're better off doing the opposite. Don't eat eggs. Eat them. Red beets bad for you. Eat it. Don't eat salt. Drink the shit. Element.com slash wanders. So, I mean, give me a fucking break here. Are you are you serious? And here's the thing. They go down and they talk about how, there's some charts in here and shit, but like the trends, right? Right? That increased salt intake leads to worse health outcomes and um, and, and heart issues and all. You know, this, this, this is like 1980s science, right? Food pyramid, OG food pyramid shit, right? So these guys, it, 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 it's the salt. It's the salt. Are you sure it's the salt? Are you sure it's not high quantities of salt that are also... Involved in highly processed foods full of all kinds of shit that you can't even pronounce on top of the glyphosate and everything else that gets put in there that's on every goddamn crop because Roundup has poisoned the fucking country, right? Like, give me a break. Give me a break. You're going to focus on this, on salt intake. Maybe it's the things that salt are in, right? If you get shot, do you get mad about the person with the gun or the bullet? Did the bullet do anything? No. It moved. It got initiated by somebody holding something. But it wasn't the bullet's fault. It's not the salt's fault. It's maybe the salt that's in all the things that we also consume as an obese nation that has decreased the priority of health and lives on poverty foods as if... We're starving. And the funny fact is, the ironic thing is that as a nation, we are starving of nutrients and nutrient-dense foods and crop diversity. We are starving, for sure. And these incompetent fucks are going to focus on salt, not sugar, not glyphosate, not forever chemicals, not endocrine disruptors, not microplastics, Right? All of those things are being ingested all the time. Not crop diversity, not soil health, not clean water, not clean air. No, none of that shit. We're going to focus on salt now. You got to be kidding me, man. You have got to be fucking kidding me. Like how in the, how in the actual fuck do these people get, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm more heated today than I usually am, but I've been sitting on this for days. <laughs> but how in the fuck do we give these people money for? What are we do? What are we giving these people money for? They've 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 proven themselves completely incompetent. Defund the WHO, please. Fucking have China pay for all of it. They do they're bidding any goddamn way? Insane, insane. No, that's, I haven't even read this yet. <laughs> but pull it up. What does the World Health Organization say is a healthy diet? A healthy diet helps to protect against malnutrition in all its forms. I don't think that malnutrition is necessarily a problem in the United States. If you go walk through a fucking Walmart and see people that can't even walk on their own accord and have to use a motorized cart, I don't think that's the real issue. I don't think when 40% of your country is obese that we need to really worry about fucking malnutrition. And that's what the WHO is focused on. They need to take that shit elsewhere because not that really, that's not really a problem here. Um da, 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 da not communicable disease. Unhealthy diet, lack of physical activity, or leading global health risks. Okay, wow. Um, energy intake, blah-blah-blah-blah. Limiting intake to free sugars to less than 10% of total energy intake. Well, that's fine. Keeping salt intake to less than five grams per day. That's nonsense. Um, healthy diets include fruit, vegetables, and legumes. At least 400 grams of fruits and vegetables per day, including potatoes, sweet potatoes, cassava, or other starchy fruits, or, or roots. Less than 10% of energy intake, da da, da da. 30% from fats. I mean, this is pretty basic shit. I'd say it's outdated and unhelpful. But it's it's not it's not really accurate. At the end of the day, this isn't this isn't super egregious. I thought they're gonna be in there and be like, drink seed oils. <laughs> right? And by the way, why are seed oils on on the on the topic here? Why are we not having a discussion about seed oils? Right? could be all these things. But no, we're doing this. We're doing the salt thing. I was really hoping that was going to have a banger in there. I don't know why I forgot to read that. I feel like I disappointed you guys. I'm sorry. But the salt thing has pissed me off. Reduce salt intake and save lives. Absolute, complete horseshit. Remember, when the government gives you health advice, do the opposite. Now, as we move on here. Oh, conservatives. I had somebody say that. You're clearly a leftist. Because you, 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 you never criticize the Democrats. <laughs> Somebody said that in my YouTube comments. I was like, "Somebody's on meth." I can't stand the DNC. We know this. You know this. I know this. But I also operate from a place of principles, and I like to call out hypocrisy. It brings me joy. It ex- it, it gives me an expansive feeling. In my soul, to call out hypocrisy. And here's the thing that I am actually, as having a daughter, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna have a moment. Let's have a moment real quick. I'm gonna go to full screen here. Let's have a moment. Having a daughter has brought out something in me. A couple of things in me that I wasn't really expecting or hadn't really thought too much about. One is the depth of love that I can feel for a person, which is beautiful. We've talked about it in this show. We've talked about it numerous times. And I love talking about it because it, it makes me happy just to put words to a, a deep feeling like that. The second thing is a level of protectionism and the willingness to become incredibly violent and cold to protect my children. I don't think I really thought about that that much. But the it, it, there's a thing inside of me, a, a switch that got flipped. And when I hear stories of child abuse, especially child sexual abuse, It brings me to the I was I already hated it and had like this disgust for it. But even now, just talking about it, like I feel this knot in my chest. Right? And I know what I know myself well enough to know what that knot means. And that knot means there is a um there's a version of me that not a lot of people have seen. But I have the propensity for violence. Um it doesn't come out very often, and it's always justified when it does. Uh but it's there. And that's what that knot is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dark. And it's heavy. And there's a lot to it. And. The things that I would do to someone. Who abused my child. Are unspeakable. unfucking speakable And I say that. As a principled human being. It's. A lot. And I know a lot of you, uh, there's a lot of dads out there right now going, I know exactly what the fuck you mean. That being said, I commented on one of uh, Tim Kennedy's posts the other day. And I like Tim. Tim's a good dude. I've actually met him a few times. We're kind of acquaintances. Um, Solid guy. Like his content's kind of funny sometimes. Sometimes like, yeah, okay. But (laughs) generally speaking, I I like what he has to say. And I like him as a person. And he put out something about like, dealing with pedophiles, right? And he had put this meme up and it was was kind of funny, but he was also serious. And I said, great. I'm looking forward to you guys busting down the door of churches all across the nation because churches are a superhighway of institutionalized sexual abuse of children. Now, while conservatives hate groomers, especially the rainbow flag ones, right? And they call that all the time. They always seem to omit and ignore large-scale sexual abuse in their religious institutions. And I find that deeply prob- problematic and incredibly hypocritical. Now, it's not just the Catholic Church. It's in all kinds of churches. Now, child abuse is disgusting and abhorrent. And I said, will bring me to a level of violence that is John Wick-level dark. All right? That being said, I find it even more disgusting when you're hiding behind a veil of virtue while exploiting and molesting children. So that brings us to this right here. More than 450 Catholic clergymen abused nearly 2,000 children in Illinois. Report says 2,000 children. Now I'll say this. I have an issue with the kind of wild trans agenda shit. You guys have heard me talk about it. Dylan Mulvaney's is kind of a clown. It drives me nuts. It's just, it's getting to be a lot. That girl pulled her tits out at the fucking White House. Like, shit's out of control. But there is 0% chance that the LGBTQIA, two-spirit, whatever community has caused as much harm to children as institutionalized religion. There is 0% chance. We're talking about 2,000 kids in Illinois alone, and that's only the reported cases. There aren't even 2,000 gender reassignment surgeries that have been done on kids in the country, probably including those wackos in Canada. So when I hear conservatives getting so upset about the children, about the kids, and they ignore shit like this, I didn't see Charlie Kirk coming out and saying something about this. I didn't see Ben Shapiro saying something about this. I didn't see Matt Walsh talking about this. Where are you guys at? You hypocritical fucks? Because I, here I am thinking that I'm on team anti-child abuse. Not just anti-child abuse from the trans folk. I'm anti-child abuse from child abusers. All of them. That's where I'm at. But these folks here, crickets, crickets. And somehow, they have some kind of leverage within governments that gets them away scot-free. And not even that, the Catholic Church just moved these people around to go fucking abuse more kids. And they're not the only church that does it, guys. Like, oh, it's just the Catholic Church. You are a fucking delusional Baptist, Lutheran, Pentecostal. There's a fucking Pentecostal... uh, documentary out about Hillsong Church and how the founder of that shit was diddling kids it's dark and it's heavy and it is a plague within your religion and if you do not see it as such and you want to criticize other people especially if you're somebody like J.P. Sears who wants to talk about how people who don't believe in God are are evil right sorry bro calling me evil was a little bit too much right for not believing in Christian God that's a little bit fucked up bro and you, don't, and you want to talk all about the trans folks and all about this thing and that thing and the other. Right? Burn rainbow flags or whatever. Boycott Target. Okay, fine. I respect your right to do all of those things. But why not do what Jordan Peterson says and clean your own fucking room before you criticize the world? Right? Isn't that a principle we should live by? I really appreciate when Jordan Peterson says that. Take care of your own shit in your own world before you go criticizing everybody else. So if you are, if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian human being who is opposing this wild bullshit that's going on in our country right now, and you aren't actively calling out child abuse within the church, you are a fucking hypocrite. You are a fucking principleless hypocrite. And that's all I've got to say about that. I had to pull that up. It drives me nuts, man. I mean it really does. It, it, it like, cause I'm on board. I'm with you. I think the, the, the way that kids are being given hormone disruptors and, and having their bodies mutilated before they even know what the hell they're getting themselves into. Like that disgusts me as much as this. But the fact of the matter is this harms more kids. That is the fact. So if you're trying to protect children from harm, start here. And yes, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can fight that radical bullshit, the Matt Wall shit, right? And also root out these evil fucks in the church. And do, by, do so by, um, let's just say whatever means necessary. That's what I would do. And... let's be real. I think we'll keep this on the podcast and I'll put that out there. If this ever happens to one of my kids, that motherfucker is never making it to a goddamn courthouse. Use this in the trial if you need to, but that motherfucker will never make it to a courthouse. All right. We there. You feel me? Gets me heated. So YouTube's been doing some stuff lately. YouTube will no longer take down false claims about the U.S. elections. Wow. It's almost as if they're believing that people can make up their own minds. You know, because you see YouTube and you're like, man, you guys really messed up during COVID. You censored a lot of stuff that was debatable or po- possibly true. Um, you know, my channel got absolutely crushed when I was really growing and, and, and trying to, you know, make a business out of this. My channel was doing really well. And then all of a sudden, bam, gets hammered. Come to find out, I didn't say anything that was inaccurate because I vetted my information and I'm also allowed to have my own opinions about medical treatments and such, but killed that business killed my other business. So I'm on, you know, I'm on round three here trying to make something work and YouTube says, Hey, you know We're going to, we're going to chill out in the election claims because I think people can make their own mind up. Maybe we have enough faith in folks that they can make their own mind up on what is true and not true and use their best judgment as human beings as we should have the right to do as human beings. Correct. Good. Good on you, YouTube. And then the same fucking day, YouTube deletes both Mike Tyson and Theo Vaughn's podcast with prejudicial candidate RFK Jr. And I did search that. Oh, I searched it and it was not there. Now I posted a video about RFK on the All In podcast and, and it's gone. Never made it up. Removed for restrictions of terms and policies. Now, I didn't say anything they didn't say on the All In podcast. I just pulled out some of my favorite parts, gave a little commentary around what he had to say, um, and here it is on YouTube. You didn't even make it up. Like immediately, as soon as I posted it, it was down. Taken down. I appealed. The appeal was rejected. So here they are censoring me. Now, I didn't get a strike necessarily, but my content has definitely taken a a bit of a nosedive since then. Um, We'll see how that goes. But they took this video down. All I was doing was breaking down RFK on the All In Podcast and pulling out some highlights and giving some thoughts on what he had to say. I did not say anything false. I did not spread misinformation. And here they are upholding this appeal. But they'll let the election claims go on. So what's the point? What's the point, right? Now, I also did another video about uh, Crystal Ball and RFK Jr., and I was uh, calling out kind of her fuckery around what, how she had handled that interview. And she did a much better job. He was on the show again today. A much better job. And I just want you guys to get a look at this here. Now, this is one of my better videos. I usually don't get this many views. Uh, it's kind of a bummer because we put a lot of work into this. But here's where it went. It went from zero to 2,200 views in the first 13 hours, which was really great for me. I'm like, man, this might get to 10K. That'd be awesome. And then just look at this. Look at this line here. It goes from... 2,260 or whatever, where it kind of peaks out there. And then it just absolutely plateaus. We're at, what are we at now? 2,450. We're at 2,450 now. So it went from, so in, in 13 hours, it got 2,200 views. I got 53 subscribers. I got a bunch of likes. And then it just stopped. Huh. Does that seem normal? Now, I'm not a YouTube expert, clearly, but that doesn't really seem normal to me. That doesn't seem like people are being able to make up their own mind about a, a presidential candidate. It doesn't seem that I'm free to criticize media. Doesn't seem principled to me. It's just wild. It's wild to see that. It's like, oh, hey, we're going to do this thing because clearly the election stuff is absurd and the 2000 Mules documentary didn't really do anything. It was just silly. Um, but here we are and they're still doing the same shit talking about information here. Again, nothing I said in this video was false, right? I'm really careful. I walked the line. Nothing I said in the other video that they took down was false, but here's the problem. I'm a small creator. I don't even have a thousand subscribers yet. I had to completely restart my page because they killed my other one. Now they didn't take it down. But they complete. I was getting three to four views a video. I was unsearchable in many cases because that's fair, right? That's that's a that's a marketplace of ideas. That's that's based on the 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 principle of free speech. Disgusting, absolutely disgusting to see this kind of behavior, right? But hey, you got one view in the last fifteen hours. That's good. That's probably me clicking on it. But hey. I just want to give you guys a little insight into the, the behind the scenes here, how the sausage is made and what I have to deal with. This is why the Patreon is so important, y'all. Like, this is why the Patreon is so important because this, this right here isn't going to work. You want to, you want to like talk about things that are controversial and like shed light on some stuff that may be manipulation or some kind of abuse of public authority. Too bad. Can't do It doesn't matter if it's true. We'll just do this to you. Which is again why the Patreon is so fucking important. Because we can actually have these conversations there. <sighs> Insane. What do we got up here next? They're just crazy. Oh, Instagram reinstates Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s account after presidential bids. This is a lot of stuff's been going on with this lately, right? They take down some videos, they let the election fraud stuff go, they're suppressing this video, and then Instagram reinstates him with all of his all of his followers. And then and he says I almost at 800,000 now, which is really great. Love to see it. He's been putting out some great content. Um, So it's been weird. It's been like this weird, like like two things are happening at the same time. They're still doing the same old shit, but they're also doing some other shit. And they came out saying that it was a mistake. But I just want to read part of this article to you, right? So, so this is from the Washington Post. Instagram reinstates Robert F. Kennedy Jr. after launch of presidential bid. And just hear how many caveats they put in front of his name every single time. Now, I actually think they're doing him a favor here because... These positions are majoritarian positions at this point. The subheadline is, The prominent anti-vaccine campaigner was suspended in 2021 for spreading misleading health claims. This is by Cilantro Lima, I guess his name is. All right, moving on. Instagram on Sunday lifted a suspension against the account of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., an outspoken anti-vaccine advocate and nephew of the late President John F. Kennedy, who is running for president as a long-shot Democratic challenger to President Biden. So let's see, is an outspoken anti vaccine activist, nephew of JFK, and running as a long-shot Democratic challenger. Now, what we're seeing here is that RFK is actually polling higher than Ron DeSantis. So if the Washington Post wrote an article about Ron DeSantis, would they call him a long-shot Republican challenger to Donald Trump? No, they would not. They have not. They've treated him as a serious candidate, even though... The person that he's running against in Donald Trump is very popular and can actually make words. Now, his words don't mean anything, but he can actually make them. And he's not inviting people to the White House to pull their fucking tits out for pride. Okay, so I don't really think, at this point, RFK Jr. can be considered a long-shot Democratic challenger. Let's continue here. The popular photo-sharing platform removed Kennedy's account in 2021 for repeatedly sharing debunked claims about the coronavirus Or vaccines. Oh, they're debunked now. Or has the debunking been debunked, right? So you're still living in, what, 2021? Got it. And later in 2022, they take down the account of his nonprofit Children's children health health defense for spreading medical misinformation. Hmm. The account's gained notoriety during the COVID-19 pandemic as prolific spreaders of false and misleading claims about the coronavirus vaccines. So tell me, so you're going to say this, right? False and misleading claims. Can you come show me what was false? Because that's what he's asking you to do. If you're going to do this, come show him what what was false. What in there was false? you Are going to put up some examples of of, of posts he had up that were false and misleading? Or are you just going to say it over and over again, hoping that it will become true? The decision follows Kennedy's announcement in April that he plans to run for president, becoming the second Democratic candidate seeking to oust Biden. As he is now an active candidate for president of the United States, we have restored access to RFK's Instagram account, Andy Stone, spokesperson for Instagram said, and Facebook parent company Meta said in a statement uh, to the Washington Post. While Kennedy's personal Instagram account has been restored, Facebook and Instagram are are maintaining their suspension against his organization, Stone confirmed. His personal account, which returned with a verified status, had over 760,000 followers as of Sunday afternoon. Meta has long argued that users should be able to engage with posts from political leaders, a stance that has drawn blowback from critics calling for the platform to crack down on fact-check and or fact-check misleading statements and advertisements from public officials and candidates. Kennedy tweeted Thursday that his campaign was unable to set up an Instagram account, accusing the company of seeking to silence him and calling the move undemocratic, which it is. Social media is a modern equivalent of the town square, how can democracy function if only some candidates have access to it, he tweeted. Matt said on Sunday the restriction was a mistake. We quickly fixed the issue and uh, that prevented the campaign Instagram account from being created. It was a mistake. It was a, it was a mistake, guys. We, we're, we're, we're doing the Lord's work here. This was a mistake. Oh, man. I mean, and, and that's every, every time they bring his name up, it's anti-vaccine, this long shot this. The dude's polling it like 25%. Okay? And we've got, till November, To make a decision? Here's what I think the campaign should do. And I'm going to call on a couple people here. Uh, Joe Rogan being one of them, because he has a humongous audience, bigger than the mainstream media. They need to host a debate that is streamed on YouTube, on Rumble, everywhere else. Besides CNN, MSNBC, Fox, Newsmax, all this other bullshit, right? Create so much attention around it that they cannot deny the ratings. Host it in Austin at the Paramount Theater. Okay, And you put three podiums up there. Schedule it for a few months from now. Three podiums. One for Marianne, one for RFK, and one for Joe Biden. And invite Joe Biden to this debate that is outside the DNC, outside the RNC. Hell, you could even put some Republican candidates in there if you want to. We'll do a full-on primary debate with both political parties. Because fuck the DNC and fuck the RNC. Do it ourselves. We can go outside of this. We as a community outside of media have leverage now. Joe Rogan could stream that. Spotify could stream that. Rumble, YouTube, everybody, breaking points, all of them. Everybody can stream that in a collective effort to go around the media and flex our fucking leverage. And if Joe Biden doesn't show up, there's an empty podium on the stage that Biden had every opportunity to stand at and he did not show up. That's how little he thinks of the American people, that he won't even show up to a debate to voice his accomplishments and his position and convince the voters why they should keep him in office. And if he can't do that, he does not deserve to be president. But the the statement of an empty stage, or an empty podium on the stage, would be huge. Host it in Austin, make it happen. Maybe do one night for the Democratic uh, primary, one night for the Republican primary, outside of the DNC and the RNC. We have to get rid of these outdated duopoly this outdated duopoly who is who is actively circumventing democracy. And if you're gonna say it's not a democracy, it's a republic. Well, yeah, you know what's part of the republic that we have formed here is democracy. It's not a direct democracy, of course not. It is a republic that allows representatives, and those representatives are elected via democracy. Grow the fuck up. God, I hate those comments. It makes no sense. It's, it's it's the smallest brain comment you can ever get. And they happen all the time. Instagram, YouTube, whatever. It's not a democracy. It's a republic. We get it, bro. We get it. You can play with definitions. Awesome. But democracy is a vital part of what we do here. And I think going around the DNC and the RNC and then getting millions and millions and millions of views. Twitter can stream it. Boom. Twitter, Rumble, YouTube, Spotify. Why not? They want the numbers. If the if CNN, NBC, NBC, what all these other fuckers aren't going to do it. We got the leverage. All we've got to do is pull the trigger. That's it. Can you imagine what kind of statement that would make when everybody's watching this stuff on whatever platform they choose? Pull up your laptop. Pull up your phone. Go to whichever one you want. Who cares? We're streaming it everywhere. You know what I mean? And there's an empty podium right there with Joe Biden's name on it with nobody there. That dude will be unelectable after that point. Unelectable. So that's my plan. That's what I think should happen. I mean, this has gotten completely out of hand. I still understand why, yeah, why why not? Why not? If you put all, all those people together, right the Marianne supporters, the RFK supporters, the independent platforms. You create something like this where it's not exclusive to one platform. It has to be on multiple, right? Just on Rumble, it doesn't work. Just on YouTube, doesn't work. But if you have it streaming all over the place live and you have quality moderators, not talking heads from mainstream media, right? It's from corporate media brought to you by Pfizer do some, kind. maybe we do a Twitter poll, right? Do a Twitter poll to find out who the moderator should be. And maybe that means it's Sager and Jetty, you know? And and Kaylee McElhinney and who fucking knows? Kyle Kalinske, who fucking knows? Brianna Joy Gray. I would love to see those people moderating a debate to be consumed by everybody who doesn't watch corporate media, which is the majority of us that are under 60 anyways. How are we not do it? How is that not already in the works right now? That is so incredibly doable. Absolutely doable. And I think if we start putting that out there and really pushing for that, these platforms will get on board because they want the numbers too. I think ad space on those, on that type of debate would be much more valuable and really set a precedent for what we could do going forward. That's beyond these corporate media outlets who are hyper-biased, who always have an agenda, who who, who rig these debates and these institutions in the DNC and RNC which do everything they can to get around democracy. That's what we got to do. I would love to go work for the RFK campaign. Just saying it. Put it out there. Put it into the universe. I like to be on staff. Hire me. I'll move out there. I promise. Now let me give you something to think about. Okay. In my coaching practice. I like to do I like to do something called an audit an audit of your life for a variety of reasons. It could be a lot of reasons, but I want to bring up one in particular today. Openness to experience. As you've heard me say on this show, I believe that the amount of free will we have in our day-to-day life is completely dictated by the experiences we've had and the options that occur to us to be chosen through those experiences. And to really have the option to choose a thing, you have to have experienced it or know that it exists for you. And so a vital part of developing that for yourself is consciously developing an openness to experiences. And through life, a lot of times we can get bogged down in the patterns and biases that we may have adapted, adopted as, we, as children or young adults or, or through our lives, depending on where we're at, we may have adopted some kind of, of, of closed off bias, right? Some bias that kind of like it, it shields us from the discomfort of uncertainty, And I think over time, that can kind of callous us to broadening our perspectives. So what I think would be something to think about, something to to be curious about, something to, to, to explore for yourself, is maybe looking at your life, maybe getting a journal out, maybe writing some of this stuff down, but looking at your life and asking yourself, where am I closed off? Right? And then asking yourself, why am I closed off there? And dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper and say, huh? Is it actually productive for me in my life, based on my principles, to be closed off in this area? And before you know it, you start infusing a little bit more curiosity in your life. and You start becoming a little bit more open to experiences that maybe you didn't have before. There are things out in life that you enjoy, that you love, that you've never done, that you've never seen, that you've never experienced. And because you haven't, because you don't know, well, you don't have the will to choose it. But if you can open yourself up a little bit and let some new things in and get a little curious, well, maybe you might find something in that that fires you up, that challenges you, that makes you a little bit more resilient, maybe a little more passionate. And maybe that feedback cycle leads to dramatic shifts in in your own life over time. Maybe it's something to think about. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Again, I cannot stress enough how helpful it would be for me if you would check out the Patreon and give it a shot. Free week is available. Patreon.com slash Connor Wander. Show notes have the link. And uh, yeah, that's it for today. Keep your head on straight. I'll see you next time. Love ya. Bye-bye.